Hi, this is Beth Capici and welcome to the Never Perfect Podcast. I'm a psychologist and I believe that embracing the fact that no aspect of life is perfect actually makes us happier and healthier and motivates us to achieve more. It also helps us become more real and compassionate with ourselves and others. In my counseling office, I deal with a little bit of everything. So in this podcast, you'll also probably be hearing a little bit of everything. Not only professional advice, but also some of my favorite and least favorite personal stories. I'm also going to be interviewing people who are brave enough to share their stories with us. I believe that everyone has a lot to teach and a lot to learn no matter what their background is and in spite of their imperfections. You don't have to be perfect to be inspiring. and welcome to my Never Perfect podcast. Today we are going to be talking about a broad topic relating to how do we inspire other people or mentor other people and make that a mission in our lives. So I had kind of a cheesy little title that I don't love, but it gets a point across Anyone can be a mini mentor to anyone or to anybody. I looked up the definition of a mentor and it has a noun definition and a verb definition, but the verb is to advise or train someone, especially a younger colleague. And the noun is an experienced and trusted advisor. So that is part of what I'm trying to go for, but I have sort of a blended concept related to some kind of merger or blending of a friend who empowers, leads, encourages, spreads positive energy, and basically a cheerleader who mentors. So, I have asked two of my very dear friends who I have a huge amount of affection and admiration for to come here today because they are amazing mentors and they are some of the busiest people that I know and also some of the first to offer help to anyone and everyone, no matter what their status, no matter how marginalized they are, no matter any kind of status, they like to help people and view people as neighbors, which is part of what I I meant to mention in my definition. Anyone in the world can be viewed as family or neighbors. And these two have done this for countless people in spite of being incredibly busy people. So they are very inspiring to me. And so I just thought that I would kind of pick their brains about how they arrived at this, you know, place in their lives where they, they love helping people. They love mentoring people and they see the potential in people and take on a lot of extra burdens and extra 
trying to think of the best way to put this projects and do a whole lot of work to help people. So, and then I I'll steal Amanda's thunder um, and I'll introduce them as I do this. Amanda Tarr and Emerson Birch are my friends and they're here today. And Amanda gave me an amazing quote right before we started that said, don't move the way fear makes you move. Move the way love makes you move by Rumi. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so Amanda just shared that and inspired me. So maybe how we can inspire people is a better way to start this. So welcome, <laughs> my friends. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming. I have a bunch more quotes, um, but I guess I just wanted to ask you all your thoughts on how did you come to be the way that you are? Um, you both had very challenging childhoods. And <laughs> maybe this would be a great. We won't talk about this. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. I, sometimes I still feel like a child. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really, that can happen where you feel like you have a double self, like this really mature grown up self and this inner child that's like struggling for some attention or nurturance that you never got. <laughs> but um, so this is a very loaded question to ask. And this relates to the ch the childhood issue. So what does it take for someone to develop the confidence to encourage, inspire, support, help, believe in, and mentor others? Does it take a healthy childhood, having great mentors yourself, having healthy self-confidence, age and wisdom, leadership training, and is it possible that people of any age or gender or position can mentor and encourage others? There you go. That's it? <laughs> that's my only question. Well, that's go. easy. <laughs> that's an easy answer. You want to go? You go. So <laughs> I, I, when I was listening to you read all of that, I realized that, you know, it makes us sound like, oh, you mentor all these people and help them. It's a little addictive because it's really for me. Mm. I get a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like when I first started planting a garden, I just, I researched and I went to the garden shop and I researched and went to the garden shop. And finally, this lady at the garden shop said, just start, plant something. Just do something. If you don't like it, move it. Just put something in the ground. And then when that grows, put something in front of it. Oh. And so <laughs> I, like I think what happened was you just had empathy or compassion for someone and you help them early on or whenever and it worked and you learned something and you got something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then along the way, I realized the more I gave, the more I got. And it's sort of mm. a universal truth. And, um, and just like everything, there's a whole education and learning curve and you, you, you get to some, you just, you learn how to help people or not and yeah. how far to go and how far not. But I, I think it's just, anybody can do it. It doesn't. It's very rewarding. Yeah. You know, and somebody said one time, if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean. That's true. You two are the, some of the busiest people I know. And you're you, some of the, the people who have encouraged me the most. And 
I knew you would be willing to help me as busy as you are. And as much as you probably should have said of no. Of course. Yeah, start <laughs> saying no to other people, but not to me. <laughs> but I think about, I learned through many years to just meet people where they're at. For example, I have an office on 11th street. So I have a lot of homeless people coming by and they're always asking for a million things. And I learned to just meet them where they're at. What do you need right now? Mm-hmm. Well, one day it was a hundred degrees and the guy said, truly, I have a soda in my backpack and it's probably a hundred degrees. I just need some ice. Mm. So how about all of a sudden I had a line of people needing a cup of ice. So we just like went and got a bunch of ice, started handing out cups of ice to the homeless people. Mm. That's not mentoring, but I'm just, just ask people, what do you need right but now? seeing them where you they need, are and right now, that's Do you need a ride needed. to mental health services? Great. Get in the car. I drop you <laughs> off. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know you, but I'm going to get you there. Yeah. You know, um, it's helping. Mentoring is helping. Mm. Yeah, totally. And I think that's one of the things that's like I, the word mentorship or mentoring to me is always like, oh, but no, that's not a thing. I was disappointed in the definitions. That's why I was like, I don't want to call it mentoring because yeah. it doesn't <laughs> capture the essence of what I'm getting down. Yeah, no. And I think that's one of those things that always gets to me when people are, when when people talk about mentorship or being a mentor or mentoring. I'm Sounds like, like a job. Yeah. I'm like. He, no, that doesn't professional. Yeah. It doesn't feel right to me because I think you're right. When I was like, I think my experience in being like a person who was present and willing, Mm -hmm. present and willing. I love that. (laughs) I love that. I'm writing it down. (laughs) (laughs) No one will know what this quote's relating to later on. (laughs) But, um, but I think, I think my awareness of that started when I was really young because I was, you know, one of five kids. So the idea of asking for help or being ready to help was pretty standard. Like, you know, you go wash dishes with your brother. And Mm -hmm. so I was ready to go help. Mm -hmm. Um, that was just how life worked. Um, so I think that context of being in a group of five kids made me, um, made me like pretty acutely aware of the fact that asking for help right was a good thing Mm -hmm. and so as i got older i saw situations where like my teachers would um like i was going to a tournament and my family couldn't afford five dollars for a tournament and i'd have teachers who would pony up the money for me to go to a academic tournament which is crazy and i was just like really moved by that and then like in high school my count my high school counselor i was applying for scholarships Previous to like reasonably decent word processors, we had to do pretty much everything yeah, on a yeah, typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah. we didn't have a typewriter, and my high school counselor um, one day just came over and gave me twenty dollars to chip in to me buying a typewriter to do just scholarship applications. Oh my goodness, that's present and willing. Yeah, totally. Like nothing now in this position she in saw my you life. And saw your capability and said, I want to invest in you. Yes. She met you where you were. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and wow. it's like, I realize now that that's nothing. That's a small gesture. <laughs> but it meant the world and it might've changed the course of your life that someone believed in you and wanted to mentor you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's amazing when I consider like in that context, you know, I kind of didn't care about school too much, but I knew I needed to get a degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was, you know, my test scores were good. And I was like, I'm going to apply for every scholarship I can apply for. I got more scholarships than anyone in the whole school. I wasn't even in the top 10%. 20 bucks for a typewriter. Seriously. Cause I was so 
obsessively motivated by the fact that someone contributed one quarter of the cost That's to amazing. get this typewriter. And I got the rest from my part-time job. And I was obsessed with applying for every job because, wow. or for every, wow. every scholarship because <clears throat> this person saw something. She saw something in you. She yeah. believed in you and you wanted to return on her investment or her faith in you. And yeah. she knew what you needed, wow. the yeah. tool. Yeah, it was really, really oh powerful. My goodness. And That's see, really some of powerful. these teachers don't know that little things, which are huge, it's not a small thing, yeah. but that that could change the course of someone's life and make them into an amazing leader, which is what you guys are. Well, and having, I think it's, the, the piece that stuck with me is that was that bit of compassion and presence in that yeah. moment mm -hmm. um, to just care. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, like that $20 gift is nothing. Now right, to me, right, I can right. like throw twenty dollars at anything, mm -hmm. and but to me, the little me what in high meant. school, that was gigantic because right. we didn't well, have money. What it meant was not small. <laughs> what it meant was right. huge. I yeah. see you. I see what you're capable of. Maybe I sense that you're not getting what you need from your family. Yeah, and you are have so much to offer the world, and I will invest in that. I yeah. will gamble on you. Exactly, and that that's that that moment. Um, kind of like tr set aside, set, set or set beside my experience in my early professional career, oh. where no one cared. <laughs> right. I was looking for help. I was looking for mentors. Oh. I was working as a consultant with these people who were brilliant. Right. And I'm like, I am just a moron child who somehow made it through grad school because I work hard <laughs> <laughs> and. I still know nothing, but I have a MS behind my name. You so. had the imposter syndrome. You're yeah. probably better than you thought you were. I was a hard worker, but I didn't know what we were doing. Really, you didn't you know, know how learning. to go there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I was always looking for someone to, um, hey, you're doing this financial plan. Could you talk to me about this? Right. Because I was like, I want to learn. Or like, you're putting together a strategy document. Could you talk to me about it? I want to learn. What is that? Yeah, exactly. I don't even know mm -hmm. what this is. And I remember this moment where I was working with this consultant who was senior to me and I wanted to learn what he was doing. And I asked him if he'd explain it to me. And he's like, no, I don't have time. You go do your own thing. Mm. And it was that moment where I, I, I realized a very like meaningful and life transforming, um, idea was that I just decided I want to be the person that I wanted in my life. Oh gosh. And I just oh, like write that down. <laughs> and I want to be that person because like as that young first year consultant who was had imposter syndrome, but knew they were going to work really hard and knew they were trying, trying, trying. Um, one, I made myself vulnerable to ask for help and to someone who was on a three person project team. We're very like, right very intimate in the work that we're doing. And each um, relies on the other to be successful. Exactly. Like this person didn't have time. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was just a very poignant moment where I was like, I'm just making a life decision that I'm going to be who I wanted. Wow. And I don't know what that means. I love that though, <laughs> because one of the hardest, one of the biggest disappointments for you led to so much good for all the people you've mentored because someone wasn't available when you needed mentoring instead of using that to become bitter and screw this like <laughs> i'm all going to be all about me for the rest of my life you're like i'm going to be that person for all these people in the future who ask yeah and the ripple That's effect amazing. of that is huge yeah yes well, 
Well, I know what the ripple effect of ignoring me was. Yeah. You know, that hurt me in a moment. Right. And I was like, that's not a path I like. No, this didn't I love it. So everybody you <laughs> have would, you know, and that takes a huge person to say, I want to give future people what I didn't get mm-hmm. instead of these people that say, I never got any encouragement. So I'm gonna, I'm not gonna help other people. I'm not gonna make them better because no one did this for me. You decided to use that loss or that pain or that disappointment to say, I'm gonna do something different from everyone else. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's not, it's not that that's because I don't have that business, you know, whatever. I never had a soft place to land. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I create that for others. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always said I'm my own soft place to land, but now I create like, you want to give people what you never got. It's the same. You you said, I want to be the person I wanted in my life. Like I have several people that know that. I'm your soft place to land. Yeah. You get in trouble. You come. I don't care if I don't have a bedroom. I put you on my sofa, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like you yeah, just did yeah. for a friend. It's that's so yeah. perfect. Well, mentoring I, is just being that person you wanted in your life. Yeah. Being present and willing. And it just goes to show that you don't have to have an ideal or easy life to be an amazing inspiration and leader. Or maybe that helped us. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Some like people, our experience helped yes. us. Yeah. You all were both parentified as children mm-hmm. and parentified. Yeah. <laughs> Made to be the parent. Adultified. <laughs> I love it. You had to sort of parent yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I it's it's just amazing to me. And this is part of what I want people who listen to hear is, you know, you anyone can be a mentor. I don't care what their age is. Mm-hmm. I don't ca- care how easy their life was, how hard their life was. Yeah. But when you realize you have so much to offer other people and in spite of your difficulties and your disappointments and everyone that didn't show up for you, you can still show up for people. You, of course, need to sort of feed yourself first and recover first from all <laughs> your neglect or trauma or abuse or whatever. Or you- maybe mentoring helps you recover. Yeah, that could be part of your own recovery is realizing how much you do have to sure. offer. Yeah. So you can mentor older people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just oh, recently yeah. I like sort of hollered at an 80 year old person who was the mother of a friend and said, for God's sakes, can you just get out of your box? <laughs> get out of your like, box. Like, oh my God, there's more boxes. <laughs> or your Otherwise box can look. be bigger. You know? Yeah. And she said, what are you talking about? Like, well, let me just try to write it down. Like, let me try to illustrate it in a drawing. Like, you know. <laughs> I was so frustrated. But I mean, maybe I got through, maybe I didn't. It was a five minute conversation, but I bet she's thinking about it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I love that your own pain and trauma that you all use that to say, I don't want other people to go through what I went through. Right. And right. you all have been like godparents to people, literally and figuratively. <laughs> I mean, so many people like I have seen you both like you're both very dear friends of mine. And I love that you're you've known each other also for a few years. But 
you've never known each other on such a deep level, but I couldn't wait for y'all to see how much He's you have in common. You say a twofer? He's a twofer. I got a twofer one with Emerson. <laughs> well, I thought you were making a pun on the Enneagram because like the helper. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is that something I haven't heard about the Enneagram? I, do you do the Enneagram? I forget which I am. A, well, helper I'm an eight. I'm a one. challenger. Oh, really? But okay. you're also high on the helper. I'm a nine, a one, and an eight tied but eight was just one number higher so you're a perfectionist a challenger and a peacemaker that is isn't that weird to be a peacemaker and <laughs> oh, a challenger yeah. at the same time. <laughs> but it's not as paradoxical as it sounds but anyway you both have such a huge my, dose of helper though my husband focused on challenger <laughs> <laughs> he's like that fits oh look in there like, see how this is right <laughs> he's like i don't see the peacemaker part <laughs> so you don't remember what your type is in it's like it's, I think I'm like something and something. I'm pretty sure it was like <laughs> Two a, things. a number and helper another and number. You probably helper and challenger. Yeah, it, peacemaker. No, it's, it's another. I'll, I'll, I'll you don't it. have to pull it up now, but well, you both I'll have a, exhibit a huge amount of helper behaviors, whether that's in your top two or three or not. But um, I, I really do just. I wonder what goes into people who obviously want to help, but just feel, I, I view it as a neighborly type of thing. Like everyone is part of my family or part of a neighbor and I want to help and you can't help everybody. I mean, we have to be realistic, but. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because, and I'm sure Emerson's the same as I am because it just, I get that feeling, but there's no economics or background. It doesn't matter. I don't care who yeah. you are, where you came from. I'm meeting you where you're at. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. I feel equal no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Like we share something and we're equal. Yeah. Like we're in this together and, mm-hmm. and, and all humans really are. We are in this difficult battle. Life is really hard. Mm-hmm. And one of my titles, I mean, of course my, Podcast is called Never Perfect, but I thought about calling it Struggling Through or In This Together because we are in this together mm-hmm. and we need to help each other. And I just love to see people that just have that community sense. And I feel like you all got that. And you just think, oh, there's a need. What can I do to help? Yeah. Well, and were you going to say something? You can say that. I was just going to say, like, I think for, both of us can talk at any given moment. Ready, response for any question. Along with that, it's like, we're the kind of people who will be on the board mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. And you better choose wisely because we're going to be the doers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody else will just be like, oh. you're going to take action. Like, <laughs> where's your committee report? Well, we didn't do anything this mm-hmm. week. And then, meanwhile, we did all their shit too. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, oh gosh, you can pass as much I'm as just you want. saying, we're also that person who are executing. We care. Doing, we moving. care. Yeah. We want to yes. execute. We want to get. We want to go forward. We don't want to yeah. just. Well, and this is the irony to the suffering board. of your childhood because it makes me sad when I hear about you know clients all the time. These wonderful people that just got parents that are neglectful or don't care or they're abusive, and I've heard a lot of this with you all. And I'm thinking that pain is horrible, but the result may not be so horrible because I think that sometimes when you have a really difficult childhood, it clarifies who you are, 
and you have to carve out your own life and you have to figure out who you are. I mean, there's a huge amount of nurturance and, yeah. you know, pouring into you that doesn't happen, you yeah. know? Yeah. But I think that's also, I think that's, I think that is really important because like in a, I think in a childhood that is safe, comfortable and easily identifiable with, mm-hmm. if the context that I came from was the thing that I was like, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. It feels very easy or it feels very natural, I should say, to repeat that. Right. And it sort of limits your options. Like this is what you repeat. Yeah. Instead of. Yeah. So in the sense the world's of like. world's oyster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember as a young child feeling I don't. I, what I know I don't want is to be like I am I in this fit. context. I don't fit. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, maybe I'm adopted. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. I did DNA. As soon as DNA test came out, I was like, I bought them for my parents. I know. <laughs> That's Same. hilarious. I don't belong I here. There's got to be some kind of switch in the nursery. <laughs> It's called bargaining. Yeah, yeah. Am I really a part of this family? (laughs) We're breaking new psychological boundaries. (laughs) But I remember this, um, you know, I remember that sense and that feeling of like, maybe I'm adopted. That would explain everything. That would explain everything. I don't fit here. I don't belong. I shouldn't be here. Except my brother and I look like almost identical twins. (laughs) So that that kind of ruined it. And then I looked a lot like my younger sister and everyone thought we were twins. And then it was ruined. But like... Maybe I had a different father. Yeah. (laughs) It's only half the genetic. (laughs) My mom has strong genes. Yeah. (laughs) But it would have... I, I think that um, that sense of um, not feeling right mm. in the in in the place that I grew up was, um, or in the context I grew up in, the family mm. that I grew up in, not feeling right and not right. feeling that yeah. it was right or mm. it was just. Um, could have, I guess, taken me two ways. Could have taken me to the space of like uh, sorrow mm-hmm. um, and self self pity, yeah, which would have been understandable. Would have been hyper reasonable, yeah. Um, or the other side of that equation, I guess, when you look at your options, it's like the sorrow and self pity is only a slice of the pie. Hmm. The rest of the options are the vast majority of the pie. Like I can go anywhere else from here, and oh, I wow. get to choose, yeah, mm-hmm. because pity and bitterness. It's just this little path. Yeah. yeah. How well do they work? Yeah. And really that's grief. It's sadness. Mm-hmm. And and you should feel sad for yourself because you did deserve better. <laughs> I mean, who really like, deserves? I mean, you say everybody deserves <laughs> I don't amazing, know. but. But that was like that era too. Yeah. Our parents were probably children of the fifties, you know, and then here we come like, you know, there's all that demographics and yeah. In the age and, um, but probably you like me when I did kind things for others when I was younger, I got berated for it. <laughs> mm. You know, rescued like rescued animals. You know, whatever. oh, like why are you doing this? This is so oh my stupid God. or impractical. Yeah, and I grew up in you know farm country in the middle of nowhere. Put a bullet in that. Pull, put a bullet in that head, or you know, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. just kill the animal. Why put yourself? Yeah, why put all yourself? Why work? are you bottle feeding a you know snake? No I'm kidding. <laughs> No, for kidding, example, like I extreme, did. right? <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, my mom would come home and say, 
Why is the shower door closed? What's in the tub? <laughs> like it's a turtle, and I found it. I rescued him, whatever you know. But and I always got in trouble for being or, or taking the stray kid at school. You know, I always had the weirdos at my birthday party. because <laughs> I felt bad for them, and you That's know, your I was, empathy and compassion. They weren't really actually. They weren't to weirdos. you. They weren't weird. They were actually my really good friends, and they're still great friends. And and. We were just like the outsiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, because I wasn't that family that I was the weirdo. We weren't that family that was, yeah. you know, cool, popular. You knew how that felt. Yeah. And so, but I was happier there. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. I love that. Well, this is a good time to bring up um, one of the quotes that I saw today when I was researching leadership, a leader is a dealer in hope. <laughs> we both marked that one. Did you? <laughs> because it's by Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> hey, good things can really, come from anywhere. We really identified. He was a dealer in hope. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, these small things, I mean, you know, we can do little things every day that encourage and inspire others, and we can do huge things. And I think you all have done a lot of huge things that I know about to help people. I'm sure you've done countless small things as well. And I have been really um, inspired by some of the small things that have been done to me that just by unexpected people, strangers, young people, bag boys at Grocery stores, bad girls, whatever you call them. No, which is the bag people and grocery <laughs> bag stores. Bag people, what's the right term? Um, Entry level position. <laughs> but it is, it is, I hope to encourage all people of any age, like you can help the people around you and realize how much of a leader and a mentor you can be. You can mentor anyone. I mean, not all leaders are mentors. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. And I mean, I love this quote by Henry Ford. You don't have to hold a position in order to be a leader. I I'm just kind of interested and curious about what gives people the confidence to ask questions, to encourage people, to cheer for people and root for people and just kind of put themselves out there because I talk to people every day that have social anxiety, that feel they have nothing to offer. And I encourage them, just be friendly. Just ask people questions, compliment Mm -hmm. someone. Yeah. Everybody wants to know that someone knows who they are, that they like, that they're liked. Mm -hmm. And so if you smile at people or you say hello, or you know their name, like that begins to, you know, I don't know, spread an energy of, I'm important. I know you. I had, I call it giving off a welcome sign, Mm -hmm. but I have been so impressed by some young people who have been in my mind, just really encouraging to me in really small ways, like days I've been having a bit of difficulty or feel a bit down or frustrated or discouraged. And someone at the checkout counter at a grocery store will say something that turns my day around or fills my cup. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, feel like there's so much we have to offer people if we only realize what we have to offer. Can y'all think of any kind of poignant moments? I have, of course, a few in my mind, but (laughs) poignant times where somebody unexpectedly has encouraged you in a small way that kind of 
you kind of took with you and was memorable? I, I think, I mean, for me, I think it's, I have this fundamental belief in life that like in life, fragility is present at all times, mm. no matter where you are. Like this is all very fragile. Mm. If I'm and driving I, and down you're the, fragile. Exactly. Fra- we're all fragile. If I'm driving down the street mm. and I feel super comfortable driving down the street, going a typical round, someone can T-bone me. I can be done. Sure. done. Like, sure. I can be gone. Yeah. And, and I think that to me also translates in like very, in the small interactions that like, this is fragile. The things, sure. the interactions we have are also fragile mm. and I can choose something that is resilient. I can mm. like put something resilient into the world around me. Wow. And so when I think about wow. what am I putting into the world around me that is resilient, it's like uh, what I want is to put Things that are for your benefit, right? That align with what you what you would like for your life, that you would like for your life, and like that's powerful mm-hmm. because I just fundamentally believe that life is super fragile. It is, and mm-hmm. we're all on the. I think we're all on the verge of like sorrow or joy yeah. at any given time. Wow! And we've seen that, you know, like we see that in our experience. We're all on the verge of sorrow or joy, and it can just like pop up just like that. Um, from an unexpected thing. So if I know that that's my experience and I know that's most of our experiences, how do I be someone who like takes, takes it to a better place Mm. and helps facilitate taking people to a better place? (laughs) Wow. I got some work to do. (laughs) I heard somebody say once recently on an interview, something I listened to on the radio or a podcast or something in, in reference to we're in such a fragile, where even if you're rocking along doing great, somebody can say or do something and it's so impactful mm. on your life that it's literally like stepping off a curb into traffic and out of nowhere, you get hit by an airplane. Mm. <laughs> impactful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. It's implausible. Yeah. Yes. You know, like you, maybe you need help and you just, I just, oh, yeah. when they said, and you get hit by an airplane, <laughs> it's I was not like, even Whoa, a car. not even what you, ex- it's nothing you would expect. Yeah. Like we're just tiptoeing along and all of a sudden you're blindsided. <laughs> yeah. And so if you consciously realize, Oh, I mean, yeah. even the most important people are fragile. We call them important. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like us. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, they're fragile. Right. Yeah. Like life is hard. Life is stressful. It's never going to be perfect. And I love that statement that you just made, Emerson. Like we're on the verge of sorrow or joy at any given moment. And one little tiny. Little thing. Yes. Anything tiny yeah. can actually propel you up or down. And that's where one of my big missions in these podcasts is trying to figure out what is our purpose? What are your gifts? And if you think about it, if you are trying to just make a difference at any point with anyone, you know, it doesn't, that's a purpose. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you do. That's why these people that are at the checkout counters at grocery stores can inspire you and change your day. They could change 200 people's days every single every day, day. 
which yeah, yeah they yeah. might not in a different career. So yeah. basically, if your intent is correct, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. Yeah. Yeah. And helping others or inspiring others or encouraging others. I mean, yeah. yeah. And I think like, you know, when you were talking about like wanting yourself to be home for others, mm-hmm. like a be soft, a place, soft to land. place to land. Yeah. I'm like, all I heard was home. Yeah. 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 I'm like, it's you said true. home. In yeah. My yeah. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the same. That's so powerful. Whatever your del- illu- illusion or dream of yeah. home. Yeah. It's like that, that thing that is so the the piece of that that is so valuable to me is like that is a um that's a sensitive place mm-hmm. it's a place that's a vulnerable mm-hmm. and the places that are vulnerable are the places that we feel most at rest to mm-hmm. you know when we're like genuinely connecting with people and places that mean something to us happy yeah like that that not that, scared. Yeah, that requires a level mm-hmm. of vulnerability, though, to yeah. create that, too. Yeah. And you know that there's a level of intimacy that is required for you to provide that. Yeah. Mm. Where you're like, this is the thing that's important to me that I want to create for yeah. those around me. And I recognize that for me to create this requires a lot of vulnerability for me and a lot for to offer and a lot of vulnerability for you to receive. For sure. And perhaps in the future, a lot of vulnerability from both of us to contribute to in bigger ways and different ways. And we both learn. Yeah. And you're right because it takes trust on their part. Yeah. To know that I don't really have an agenda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not trying to get yeah. something out but of you. But really when you, like I, like I loved when Emerson said mentor is just the weirdest word mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm not mentoring them. Coming alongside. And and I'm not judging and I truly mean it. And you have to trust that I don't judge and I don't I don't care your circumstance, mm-hmm. your background, your economic nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't care what drug you're addicted to. We'll get through that or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I want more for you than yeah. you want for yourself, then you're gonna be out. You know, just but we have to be honest. Honest. Yeah, exactly. We have to be honest together. Yeah. Which is funny because before this podcast, you were talking about that. Yeah. If I want more for you than you want for you. Yeah. That, and this isn't going to work. Yeah. And I was like, yes, exactly. I can't do your work. And you were talking <laughs> yeah. about somebody you were working with. I can't do your work for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I'm here as your soft place to land. Yeah. Wow. And that's a big deal to like to to care, to collaboratively care about problems that shouldn't be yours or goals that shouldn't be yours. I'm right. using all the air quotes, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but to collaboratively care and mm-hmm. to act as if, and to feel as if, and to think as if this is a challenge for me as well as for you. Like yeah. we're, we're in this both thing learning. I learned so much from others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I love that because it's amazing how you can learn from anyone. I mean, I, I had a couple of teenagers a few weeks ago, clients of mine that just blew me away. Like I was talking to like a teenage girl around 14, 15, and she had been very down and very anxious. And a lot of times I ask kids to rate their anxiety or depression on a one to 10 scale to see how they're improving or where they are. And I think she rated her with 10 being happy. She had been like maybe at a three to five range and she was starting to get better. And she was up to like maybe a five to seven or six to eight, I can't remember. 
And I said, so where do you want to be? I said, I said, that's great improvement from where you had been a month or two ago. And I said, where do you want to be? Do you want to be at like six to an eight or seven to a nine? And she said, I'm maybe one step higher. She said, but I'm pretty happy. She said, there's value in sadness. Mm. Wow. (laughs) And I went, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that a 14 year old just said that. I'm like, okay, she just took me to school. You know, and not that I didn't know that, but I'm like, wow, like how profound is that? Yeah. You know, especially in the context of a session with like we're talking about depression yeah we're talking about your affect yeah and she's having this wherewithal to see this perspective outside we're just moving on up right like (laughs) happiness isn't everything lady (laughs) (laughs) but i love that because you know it's 2021 and this girl gets to come to you Uh uh-huh i got you you want something to cry about yeah (laughs) yeah exactly what's your problem i'll make it worse in your room i don't want to see it yeah Yeah. (laughs) well another neat you know how different would we be yeah Yeah. well and i and i say this just because i want people of any age to say you can teach adults things Mm -hmm. you can teach people no matter what your gender your race your age your sexual orientation, anything. You have so much to teach me. Your friends. Yeah. Your friends, yeah. Um, another example was I was talking to like a, a senior in high school about ADHD, and I thought I was going to be kind of opening his mind. I love to see people. <laughs> like, whole new world right here. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to open a whole new world for you. And and I, I do love to do this because a lot of people think, oh, I have a mental illness, I have anxiety, or I have depression, or I have ADHD like I do. And they think, oh, this is just a curse. This is a nightmare. And I'm like, I think my ADHD brings as many great things out as it does negative things. And so I said to this kid who had ADHD, I said, let me ask you a question. Like, what percentage of your ADHD do you feel is a difficulty and an obstacle and a negative thing? And what percentage of it do you think is a positive thing? And I thought I'd see this light bulb explode. Like, I never thought about it. There's good in this. And he goes, I think it's 100% a good thing. (laughs) I can do a million things great. And and then he goes, people with ADHD have a lot more empathy. And that was something I hadn't read. That's kind of probably a recent study. And I'm like, I have told people that I think people with ADHD have what I call um, emotional ADD, where you care too much about other people's problems and you care too much about other people's feelings. And uh, But I was just like floored. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I never thought about it as being 100% a good thing. He's like, I'm so happy. I, he goes, I love my ADHD. <laughs> so, We're good then. Just tell your mom you don't have to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. No, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think that that, that, that kind of thing, you know, in your, in your, like your working definition of mentor that you were putting mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. I, I liked that. Your the first thing you said is a friend, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's like that idea of mentorship uh, of starting as a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be a friend to a stranger. Yeah, mm-hmm. like if you choose to. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you <know>? Yes. <laughs> and there's an amazing immediate connection yeah. that you can have with people. Like you just suddenly feel a bond. Like 
you know, when you think about rescuers that help people at an accident or in the hospital when they're traumatized, like they immediately have this bond. It's probably the oxytocin, like yeah. the, the yeah. bonding from <laughs> yeah. that hormone. But, you know, just to have this sense of like, I'm part of your family, like yeah. we're humans and, and I care about you. And if I see a problem, like you help someone that's fallen down or having a heart attack, like, um, but that feeling that we're not alone. Yeah. And as you were talking, I wrote down, like, I'm here, I see you, I'm here to collaborate with you, I'm going to collaboratively care. I mean, without even saying that, you're not saying that, you're just doing it. Well, I think when you just said, you see somebody like, you know, they fell off their bike and they broke their own lane on the side of the road, you're going to stop and help? Mm -hmm. Well, there's also... You can see other things where people need, it's not mm -hmm. so obvious and physical, but yeah. it's, you can tell when someone's in distress. Yeah. 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 And just say, Hey, what's up? I mean, I just yeah. want to meet you where you are. Like, what's your immediate need right now? And then it starts. Yeah. 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 You know? yeah. One of the quotes I could, I can't find right now, but it was something about friends, action. Like close and friends will not tell you until you ask. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was something about action and not words, but it kind of reminds me of what you all are conveying when you take action to help people and mentor people. You don't have to say, I'm here. I see you. I want to help. I see potential in you, but you're conveying that with what you do. Yeah. Sometimes you just say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Sometimes you just say, hey, you know what? I can tell you need some help. <laughs> mm hmm I'm not judging. Mm -hmm. I'm here mm -hmm. and I'm going to meet you where you're at. Yeah. And I, and tell me if I want more than you want for yourself. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you want to go for a PhD, I'm going to support you all the way, mm -hmm. whatever I can, you mm -hmm. know, you need funding. We'll find that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you, you know, I'll tell you where to go and how to do, you know, just, but sometimes you have to straight up say it. Yeah. Well, and also like that, that, you know, kind of like what you're getting at is this idea of to, to be someone who is a friend who wants to help people move forward, mm -hmm. move forward, which mm -hmm. could be like an idea about mentorship. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's that that thing that you're alluding to and getting towards is like, where do you where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? I'm yeah. willing to go and help you go where yeah. you want to go. And if I don't know, I'll find the resources for you. Exactly. I'll tell you the resources yeah. to go to. Yeah. Like that. That's that that idea um, is really powerful because I think you can be a mentor or mentor people through things primarily not by being the expert. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be the expert. You don't have no, to be no. the best at. No. Mm -hmm. You can be a colleague in a journey who is another resource who is looking for things, right. trying to understand things, challenging for them to understand things, and and literally just being present to be like, you know what, I have another lens on this yeah like this is your journey i have another lens mm -hmm. so, oh that's good you know like because sometimes two's better than one yeah you're right I mean, sometimes I, they're on the wrong <laughs> yeah. well yeah i had a friend this past week who was looking at starting a business and we had a number of conversations about this business and that's they've never started a business before really and i think i think people who try to start businesses i'm like you're gonna hate your life you're gonna learn so much 
great, uh-huh. go do it. <laughs> like, yeah, you'll figure it out. Uh-huh. But we had this dialogue where, you know, he kept talking about this business idea and he was talking about products that he would make and like ways that he'd market. And, and I kept saying like, do you know anything about the market? Have you done any market research? Yeah. Before you start doing this thing, have you done any market research? And we, on our fourth conversation, I was like, hey, hey, hey. So I just want to like call something out. You keep talking about the products you'd like to make. Discussion one, I asked you, have you done any market research? Do you know what the opportunity is here? And I know you still haven't. And so I'm just letting you know, like, this is critical for me moving forward at this point in time. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need you to prove or demonstrate a level of knowledge Mm -hmm. that I don't know. Because mm-hmm. this is not mine to carry. Yeah, I, you need to I do don't your care. Own it's research. your business. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You're not going to overfunction and undermine. It's not empowering for someone if you do the work for them. Yes. And so, but we had this funny moment where he just stared at me like and paused and was like, I think the first response was, You're serious? And I was like, Yeah, no, I'm serious. Yeah. Well, and that says, I, I love believe- this is not mine to carry. Yeah. yeah. And I I'm going to like steal this. This, yeah. this is not mine yeah. to carry. Yeah. <laughs> And I believe in you. And this your is your party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and then I jump back in. Yeah. <laughs> After you carry this. Yeah. And I it was, that. it was really, it was really neat. Cause the, the, the second look in his eye after that, he was like, are you serious? And he was like, oh, you're serious. Uh-huh. I need to actually do this. Yeah. And so I Not left. my business. Yeah. I left. He sent me like these multiple texts of like different research papers that he had found as I'm driving well, off. Awesome. <laughs> And so I sent him a text back and I was like, cool, you can just give next time I see you, just give me like an oral book report on what you read. I want to hear. I love it. I love it. Like he believes I can do this. Yeah. So I can. Like, wow. And it's not all like that makes it sound very formal, but it's probably very informal. Like you just meet up and hey, what's up? And here we are. And Uh it's never like, let's meet about our mentoring. You know what I mean? It's not that yeah <laughs> it's really a giving of yourself and you get a lot in return it's just caring and compassion and yeah well, present and willing and meeting people where they're at and oh yeah well here's a quote that fits what you were just talking about perfectly emerson leadership is lifting a person's vision to high sites the raising of a person's performance to a higher standard the building of a personality beyond its normal limitations. And then another one, and this so relates to, to what I'm talking about seeing in you too, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, concerned citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. And that was by Margaret Mead. The first one was by Peter Drucker. I forgot to say that. Um, but it's, it's just amazing. I mean, to see just little differences and huge differences. Um, another really quote, good quote by Jack Welsh was, before you are a leader, success is all about growing yourself. But when you become a leader, success is all about growing others. That's the truth. Yeah. And, you know, I own a business and I have a lot of employees. Mm-hmm. And I tell all of my managers or leads or whatever we we wrestle with what to call them because sometimes <laughs> they take the title and doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, if one of your employees screw up, it's your fault. 
It's never the employees. Well, when you're the, employee one that, the owner takes up, the blame, I call them in as the owner and say, this is my fault. Yeah. Sometimes I say you're fired, but it's my fault. Yeah. I, cho- <laughs> I chose you to do this job and you didn't do it well. So this is no, my but fault. I screwed up by not, you know, noticing, training, preparing, you not yeah. knowing me well enough that you thought you could have come that. to me and what it, it's my fault. So that's exactly you yeah. take ownership. That's in here somewhere actually too. But like, that's exactly right. Like not, not so much in mentoring, but like, you know, what you just you said. You take ownership was, for mistakes and you give credit for the You have to take successes. ownership for the, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's part of like meeting people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that, that other piece of it is like your recognition of your role in like interpersonal dynamics mm-hmm. and in trusting relationships trusting that that have like gears that have to work together yeah (laughs) you know like that's super powerful and acknowledging well and how much do you get out of it yeah when somebody trusts you yeah Mm -hmm. a lot totally yeah Yeah. it's giant you know it's huge when somebody Mm -hmm. trusts you Mm -hmm. that's for me yeah Yeah. that's my reward Mm -hmm. and that's great to be able to say you know that I mean, we talk about altruism as uh, only doing this to help them. There's nothing in it for me, but there's no way, you know, it's very rewarding to help people. And we can't often say that, well, you know, I just did it for them. It doesn't satisfy me or fulfill me. You know, it's, it's nice that you're humble enough to say, I love this. It's very rewarding for me. (laughs) Well, I think some people, when they say there's nothing in it for me, they mean money. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. There's I'm telling you, there's intangible. something that's worth way more than money. Yeah. Yes. Air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, when somebody trusts you, uh-huh. oh my goodness. Yeah. There's a lot of responsibility there too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which I kind of thrive on responsibility a little bit. Yeah. But also you don't yeah. take it lightly. I don't take it lightly <laughs> at all. Uh-huh. And I, it makes me be responsible. Yeah. yeah. So the reward you also gain another family member. Yeah. yeah. You know, like y'all are, you just ooh, build yeah. your family and it's oh, become like so huge. Yeah. These, you, you get to love people, like really love people. It's an investment in people and, and they I, love you back and it's mm-hmm. family for life. Really? Yeah. That just brought the word that maybe I like the best of that kind of captures the essence of all of these different aspects is being a developer and developing people mm-hmm. and ourselves and ourselves. Yeah. Yes. And we need to develop ourselves first. Like yeah. it, you know, we probably all struggle with a little bit of codependency here in this room. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> what? <laughs> I hate everyone. What? There's a lot of good to that. Amanda's pretending she's in denial. I didn't even hear what she said, but you know, I'm an independent single person. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much good in trying to feel a sense of responsibility for other people. But you can take that too far, of course, yeah. and not set boundaries and it can be unhealthy. But the idea of you learn, developing you learn. like new communities or new, um, you know, subdivisions, yeah. we like to develop people. Yeah. And that's the most rewarding thing. Yeah. Well, in the, it's not like we're addicted and we go out looking for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sort of like they we're a beacon and they find us. <laughs> yeah. Right. But furthermore, I think what's interesting is the is it's just being aware just being aware like honestly i i don't know if i don't know if it's you know it's like i want to believe that there's like this beacon of like beep 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 that the people find me yeah Mm -hmm. 
I don't think it's that. I think it's that like, like I can look at your eyes and you yeah. engage me. Right. You know, like there's qualities. And you see the sorrow. You. Yeah. And there's like qualities about you that are like, you're, you're engaging to people who perhaps have been pushed off. Right. Ignored. And, and you provide a different quality to them. Right. Compared to a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And well, that's giant. And there's some little thing I do, which my husband thinks I'm crazy. Everybody <laughs> thinks I'm crazy, but it's a hundred degrees and I live inner city. And I did in Atlanta as well. Uh-huh. It's a hundred degrees outside or it's pouring rain and it's cold and people are walking, schlepping bags of groceries or they're, you know, staggering to get to the food bank to get lunch. I pull over and I pick them up. Uh-huh. You want to ride? Where are you going to the food bank? Yeah, I pick them up. I pick them up carrying their bags from the food shelter when they got their bags of tennis shoes and whatever on giveaway day. You need to ride over to whatever street because I know where they kind of stay. Uh-huh. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. I am like the homeless taxi. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody said, are you not afraid? I was like, never once. Uh-huh. <laughs> never once. Yeah, if you pick up a driver, the chances of you getting hurt or, or passenger are very I low. mean, I've really, yeah. literally picked up. Hundreds, if not thousands. (laughs) Like the lady at the bus stop that has bags of groceries. I pick her up. I'll drive her to wherever her house is. She doesn't need to. You don't need to get on the bus. Everybody needs a little win. Yeah. You know, here's your little win today. I'm going to whip you home. You're going to be home a half hour before your kids or an hour or whatever. It could be an hour if you ride the bus. Yeah. Yeah. And one time I picked up a guy who was like literally skinny as a rail, leaned over, like dry heaving. It was a hundred degrees out. And I said, Hey, do you want to ride to the, I'm pretty sure you're going to the 11th street. And he said, yeah, that'd be great. And he got in the car and he said, aren't you afraid to drive me? And I said, I'm pretty sure I could take you. (laughs) And he started laughing. And then I could pin you down in a heartbeat. A different day, I picked up a guy and I said, he said, could you take me to the store? I said, sure. What do you need? And he said, I need some new drawers. Like, so we get in the store and he's like, anyway, you can buy me some laundry soap too. And so I was like, I'm not going to buy you everything you need on your list. Top five. Uh-huh. So we got him like some laundry soap, some socks, some underwear. <laughs> anyway, and then I dropped him off wherever he went. And that's, I never see him again, yeah. uh-huh. ever, any of them. But I meet him where they, where they have a need right yeah. now. Whether I it's see ice cubes, need. underwear. <laughs> ice cubes and underwear. I, uh, yeah, that's ice cubes. <laughs> that's going to be your book. Yeah, <laughs> ice, ice cubes and, and underwear. underwear. <laughs> the tiniest things. Not together, though. Our yeah. empathy, compassion, a little win. Yes. And it might change their life and it might make them different. It might think make them think of something. You never know the ripple mm-hmm. effect. But like Emerson said, you can, there are plenty of times I see him, I don't pick him up. You can, you, you can just see it yeah. in their eyes or get a feeling. And what do you have to lose by trying to give anyone a little win? A little win. Because this is kind of what I was talking about. Some of these people, they could look at me, even, you know, my clients, sometimes I think they probably think, oh, she's in her late forties. She's a psychologist. She's loaded. She's well adjusted. (laughs) Yeah. She's fine financially. She's very well adjusted. She doesn't need anyone to fill her tank. You know, they could think that, you know, and I have truly, I keep bringing up the, you know, the cashiers or the bag people at the grocery store. There have been so many times they have turned my day around and, you know, maybe this is a good example because it really profoundly affected me. Um, and it was so simple, 
but it was probably three or four years ago. I was at Publix and I was at, you know, it was Mother's Day, I'm pretty sure. And I was having kind of a low day um, <laughs> because I don't usually get pampered on Mother's Day, I have to say. And I was probably feeling pretty sorry for myself. And I was just very deflated. And this a probably teenage African-American boy guy, um, we were going out and I don't remember exactly what he said, but it it was it did something inside my soul. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, it's probably something like, what are you doing today? Happy mother's day. And I just went, Oh my goodness. And he said, I hope you have an amazing day. And, and whatever he said, it was along those lines, but it really did something to me. And I thought, wow, like he just made a huge difference in my whole day, a stranger. Yeah. That could be like, oh, I'm this you know, 18 year old kid. And what is this 40 something year old woman going to, you know, he could just be like, hi, ma'am. How are you? You know? Yeah. But it, there was there was so much more to it. And yeah. it really changed my day. Yeah. And those little his happy day. Yeah, it was just and he could have also been like, we're in the South. Who knows? This lady could be racist and he could have been very internal and scared and worried. But instead, he was a leader. And yeah. The way he was, just the, his energy and his kindness, there was something I cannot even put my finger on, but it was amazing. Yeah. Well, he stepped into that awkward place, that like sensitive space yeah. and he made a place for you two to meet. Yeah. And that was, that's powerful whenever you step into that awkward space and create a sensitive place to meet. Yeah. He was strong enough and, you hospitable know, confident enough and <laughs> hospitable enough and mature and everything. He felt he needed to say something. Yeah. To maybe. Yeah. And, and he probably does that kind of thing to people all day long, yeah. you know, and is a leader to people and inspires people, but he really did. He inspired me and it was so basic, but I think, I mean, it wasn't basic, but those are the kinds of things that I think we all underestimate and how encouraging we can be. And no matter what our position is, and no matter who you think someone is, like you can make a difference in their life. Just little things like like Emerson said, we can be on the verge of sorrow or joy at any given moment. Any moment. One little thing can like change it and make wow. it just skyrocket. It's yeah. crazy. Or you can plumb you get a phone yeah. call. Yeah. Having the best day of your life, you get a phone call. And, and then yeah. negative energy at home, like you can be trying and struggling for something better and then something negative happens and you just tank. Yeah. Yeah. So your grocery store experience one time mm -hmm. in night in 2003, I had a best friend pass and I was at the grocery store on 23rd street when mm -hmm. it was Philo. Mm -hmm. And I was sad. Like my eyes were probably red cause I cried a bunch and I was sad and I had to get some groceries and mm -hmm. I was just walking the aisles, just kind of, you know, in that whatever fog when you have, when you're shocked and shocked yeah. and sad. And, mm -hmm. um, this, Little girl, I want to say she was five or six years old. She touched my leg. Oh. And she went underneath and looked up at me and she said, hey, mama, are you okay? Oh. Oh, my goodness. And I said, yeah, I'm okay. Oh. But what made that little girl do that? Oh, that's so sweet. That's amazing. It was unreal. <laughs> that's oh, I insane. love that she called you mama, Mama, too. she was a little it's Latino like, girl. Oh. Hey, mama. Are you okay? Oh, what an intuitive little girl. Right. 
That's amazing. And I think about that. Mm-hmm. And then another yes. time, another grocery store experience, which was like literally <laughs> within the last year. Funny <laughs> thing here. And I'm like, the, my grocery store experience. My best moments were in the grocery store. Mine are like, I found good food. <laughs> <laughs> no inspiration for me. Check my car out. I'm so happy with it. Sometimes I feel like that at the grocery store. Look what I did here. <laughs> I did the thing. This is, y'all should be jealous of my this car. This is a moment of art right there. <laughs> I am like sometimes when I'm checking out I'm going wow this is going to be the best week I didn't even know this existed yeah you two are amazing chefs I had too. time to another thing you don't have to know <laughs> but I was standing in line and this woman was in front of me it was in Atlanta and she was maybe in her 40s her get up was crazy but really put together and she had gray hair all in a crazy knot and her shoes were wild and I literally was checking out like I even like went to the side to get a better view of the side view worked out and I was checking her shoes and then she turned around and saw me like completely checking her out and she said um excuse me and I said oh oh my god when I grow up I want to be just like you I said and I'm not kidding I checked out all the way from your toes to the top of your head. (laughs) And she was a little bit taken aback and then she turned around and then she turned back around to me and said, you just made my day. (laughs) I was like, I mean, I was really thinking, why can't I be like that? (laughs) Why can't I just, you know, fly my originality flag? (laughs) But it made her life better. She probably probably flew high for the rest of the day. I'm saying, you know. Little things. But I was, you know, being a little, I mean, I just really want to take it in. I couldn't quite. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I, I can't capture every. Yeah. I can even tell you she had an amethyst nose ring and it was like a carrot amethyst. Like wow. everything was like. <laughs> You're like, I'm trying to take a mental snapshot. It's like, wow. Moment. I love it. That's amazing. Uh, well, little, little things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe this would be a really good thing to end on unless you have any pressing, like urgent comments you want to make. Anything? The the only comment I wanted to make is, and this is a little off, but like off topic, not off. Um, but earlier you were talking about, um, you know, the, the idea or challenge of being too giving yeah. or um, just giving too much. Yeah. And, over-functioning. And- yeah. Um, and I remember... There were, there were two ideas that I had as a kid, and these are like hyper dysfunctional and hyper functional at the mm-hmm, same time. So mm-hmm. just like bear with me. I love that. Okay, yeah. I mean, I love that, <laughs> which is perfect, right? Yeah. <laughs> Never perfect. So the first one was I remember in this, I think it was at church or something, and someone said, You don't want to burn out. And I, and I remember thinking about that person who was saying, You don't want to burn out, and thinking, You're so lazy. Mm. And I said, and I said out loud, but what if you never burn at all? Oh my goodness. And they were like, they just looked at me like I was crazy, but I could never even, I couldn't go with them on that because I was like, you are the laziest, most uncaring person talking about you don't want to burn out. You have nothing to burn. You are, you're hardly present here. Um, nor in the life of the people in this room who are here learning. Like if you're going to live life self-protectively, then you're going to miss so much. (laughs) 
And yeah, only self. You have yeah. to balance that self protectiveness with like giving. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of that. I other... love. What if you never burn at all? <laughs> wow. What if you waste your resources? You die with all this unused, these assets. Yeah. And this, this. Well, that's the thing. We don't. I don't keep score. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't tell you how many. I yeah. Exactly. I have no idea. It's whatever. It's mm -hmm. just. It is. Just is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and what if giving? fuels you. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of into that right. second piece that I was thinking about. Um, like that overgiving thing was I, I had this realization a number of years back where I, where I, some, someone was like, you give too much, you give too much, you give too much, you can't give so much. And, and I was like, you know, from an ethical standpoint, I'm never going to apologize for overgiving, mm. but I will need to apologize when I was too stingy. Wow. I will oh, need to apologize boy. for that. Oh, but, I'm writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> and that, but that's like, to me, that is a very powerful idea. Mm. Uh, and, and I'm not saying I need to not take care of myself. I'm saying taking care of myself, super important. Mm -hmm. um, it is, it is collaboratively in the space of taking care of the world around me and the people around me. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, it makes your world better. Exactly. And we like, we live in an ecosystem, no matter, no matter if we can articulate how this ecosystem works or not, we do live in an ecosystem. We're all, yeah. We're all connected. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm not taking care of myself while I'm taking care of others, like what kind of life am I actually living? And I'd really rather like not have to apologize for being too selfish versus mm, geez, not needing that. to apologize oh, yeah. for being This is like my uh, favorite new thing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It. Yeah, I knew you two were going to be like best friends at the end of this podcast. I love Like I have goosebumps. Look at it. I have goosebumps. You know what this relates to very quickly is when I was in graduate school and I was about 22, I have like two witnesses that, that knew this, but I said one of my main drivers in life is to anticipate regret and then prevent it. Mm. And one of my friends, his name is Kyle, and he'll probably be on my podcast. He was like, I love that. <laughs> and there's so many moments yeah. where you say things, whether it's a funny thing yeah. or an inspiring thing, and you look at blank people and you're like, do you not see how funny that is? Or does that not inspire you? Yeah. And I'm so glad Kyle was there because he got it. He yeah. was like, Oh my goodness. And I just talked to him <laughs> recently and I said, do you remember when I said that and you loved it? I said, I still remember that. He goes, I use it all the time. And he joked probably <laughs> saying, I don't give you credit for it, but I use that all the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, that's a really good point. Like, you know, where would you rather air giving too much or giving too little? Yeah. Wow. I'm not, I'm like telling you that just <laughs> changed my life. Well, that's Thank your you, life Emerson. Motto. Where would you rather air? I love it. It's, it's neat. Um, well, maybe a follow-up podcast could be on when you really think about the way, and I'm terrible with history. You guys probably know more than I do about history, but the way things used to be living in small communities where you had barn raisings. Yeah. There was a community, people lived in a community. And I heard this actually in a church sermon recently where they were saying everybody knew everybody's business and everybody yeah. lived in a town and you had to deal with the difficult people and you had to deal with the weird people. You couldn't escape them. 
But when you're, but you have to learn to live with people, whether they have amazing strengths or, or really extreme weaknesses or, or issues. They're yeah. your people. You're, they're your people. They're your tribe that you have to learn to live with. And you are a community and you work together. But now we're in these bigger towns and we're more individualistic. And we think it's every man for himself. And, and we judge. We judge. And, you know, we, we give up on people. And, you know, we don't want to help people. We want to help ourselves. So that that idea i love that romantic ideal of like farm raisings i yeah. would i would love to go live in a community like that i think that's <laughs> such a cool idea but, well, well that's it's you know in society we've had a, a dramatic shift from the like the means of um, self-preservation and community preservation and life preservation have shifted to much more corporate sort of models where I can go to the store and get all the food I need. I can get a service provider to do all the things that I need. Mm -hmm. And so like that, um, those intimate, intimate connections between the disconnect between the basic. Yeah. Like we don't have that nearly as much as we were required to have based on how society stood. And we have these like transactional dollar It's all money. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have these transactional elements that are like really impersonal. Like when you were a kid, did you get paid to do the dishes? Oh God, no. Now they they get paid to do the dishes. I know. That's so weird. Y'all were both cooking like three course meals by age nine or 10, as as far as I'm aware. (laughs) But I come from a little tiny town Uh that is like that. Uh And recently a couple was building their own house and winter was coming and he actually had a neck injury and had to have surgery and all the neighbors put the roof on. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Nobody asked for a penny, yeah. you know? And then in this, I saw a man in the spring and I said, you look, I can't put my word on it, but distressed or less than, or something, something dynamic is missing. I can't put my finger on it. And he said to me, I didn't get my deer in the fall. He lived uh, off the, he kind of lived oh, off the well. land. I said, why didn't you call somebody? He said, I managed, I'll get my deer. Now I have summer and work and blah, blah, blah. Cause it's really freezing cold in the winter. They just live. And it's a very, it's very barn raising community, whatever. And he didn't ask because he didn't need, he probably helped build the, put the roof on, but didn't ask because he managed. It was just, it's just so different. It is really a, they're your people. And probably somebody else needed more help than yeah. him. Yeah, in that moment. And it's amazing to see. You're yeah, right. You sense it's that. It's very rare, these yeah. types of places. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Amazing. In this country. In this country. But yeah, no, I didn't get Jack for doing the dishes or mowing the lawn or cleaning the garage or... I didn't get a spanking if I did. <laughs> right. I'll give you something to cry about. All right, so let's end on a really good quote okay. by yeah. Lao Tzu. Is that oh, right? I love Lao Tzu. Okay. Yeah. A leader is best when people barely know he exists, when his work is done, his aim fulfilled, and they will say, we did it ourselves. And I think that's a really powerful idea. Surely. You know, to be able to 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 be interested and willing and, and passionate about helping others and without an expectation of return. No expectation of an outcome or return. Yeah. It's empowering. A quiet way. Empowering. Yeah. A person or a thing. Initiative. Okay. <laughs> <A> group. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank for, you, Beth. Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh, I loved it. Every minute of it.